all know the damage that fires are capable of. What we don't always understand is the cause, behavior, and what to do in the aftermath of a fire. Today, you'll understand these aspects just a little bit more. Welcome to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. We will give you tips on fire prevention, how to deal with insurance matters, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Donna and Mike. And welcome to Speaking of Fire. This is Mike Slatman. I'm a past president of the International Association of Arson Investigators uh, and over 45 years as an expert in fire investigations. And this is Donna Ingram. I'm a past director of the International Association of Arson Investigators. Excuse me, been a frog in my throat. And I've spent 28 years in the insurance industry as a fraud investigator. Yes, and and I want to open up the show today um, before we get to our topic uh, and our great guests. Uh, I want to talk about something that I've been um, talking about for the last few weeks. There was a hearing, or well, the opening of the hearing for a resentencing for Brian Shepard, one of the convicted killers of the six firefighters in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, I, I attended that opening and in Judge Gaetan's court here in uh, Kansas City at the federal courthouse and um, this morning. And, and it was touching that um, one widow, there's it's a couple of widows, uh, I mean, uh, have, have already uh, died. But one of the widows, uh, McLaren's wife, uh, got up there and talked about the hole in her heart uh, that is, has uh, permeated uh, uh, since her husband's demise and how it had such a de- devastating effect on her family. Also, her daughter um, talked about um, she was only 16 when her father was killed and, and how uh, she could not see any any kind of a plan, God's plan, that would take six innocent men's lives. And then the sister of, of uh, Firefighter Olam, uh, got up there and, and told her story about how their life was devastated after his uh, demise and how he had, uh, uh, she had talked to him the night before and asked him to be careful um, and how she had to hear about it from a supervisor uh, of, um, of her sister-in-law's uh, who told her that, oh, she's off today because her, her husband was killed last night. Um, there's definitely nothing more devastating than, than deaths. And then when firefighters, um, there's a fallen firefighters foundation, by the way, uh, when firefighters get killed in the line of duty, it, it's, it's terrible. And the same way with police officers. And then um, they started putting on witnesses for uh, Brian Shepard. And Brian Shepard got up there and said, uh, he never, this is supposed to be an allocu- allocution, but what he did is he said, well, my name has been associated with this ever since it happened. He never, he has never taken responsibility and said that he's worked real hard uh, in, in prison, uh, but uh, he's only been on the wagon, he's been in prison 22 years and he's only been on the wagon 14 uh, he's so sober. Uh, and then he talks about his family and how he wants to get out and help them. Well, uh, from my point of view, uh, it's and it's purely my point of view here, and it's not the, the networks or anything, the firefighters are still dead. Their families are still impacted. And he needs, in my point of view, 
to stay where he belongs with with um, with uh, the other killers. So, and one more thing: the the witness, the first witness for the family, got up there and said he had known her, Brian's mother for since they were in sixth grade, and what a dysfunctional family they had, and how there was drinking, and how there was um, drugs, and and there was a physical abuse, and they were poor, and they lived in a bad area. Well. I'm going to share something about myself. I grew up in North St. Louis. There was alcoholism in my family. There was physical abuse, uh, and and um, and and I turned out differently by making different choices. People make choices in their lives. There's my soapbox. Uh, they, um, that's the end of it. Um, and but I want to tell you, I was I was I'm so so sorely disappointed by the lack of of turnout for the police and fire. There were more policemen there than there were representatives of the fire department. There were only two, and uh, that's really too sad. That happened in 88? It happened in 88. The convictions were in 90. uh, He was incarcerated in 95 on a drug charge, but 97 before anybody was convicted. And the thing is, and I remember uh, it woke, that explosion woke me up, broke windows for miles around a lot of destruction, and it's it's just really sad. Yeah, there was a big turnout by the ATF, uh, by the way, and the ATF was instrumental in, in solving this case. Uh, and they have been derided in the newspapers, and uh, and that's shame on the uh, the the uh, this one uh, this one particular um, a reporter. Uh, has been after the families and and her and according to the families harassed them, so that's really sad. Uh, so anyway, well, I'm glad you got on your soapbox because this is why we are doing this show. Uh, the whole point of this is because we're passionate about this. And arson, arson is a crime, and it causes death, which is murder. So this is why we're here. This is what we're doing, and. Tell us who we have on here today. Well, we've got Steve Austin, who's the Director of Governmental Affairs for the International Association of Arson Investigators, and he served a NAC capacity since 1985. And he represents us, uh, the IAAI, in, in Washington. Um, he's a 53-year veteran of the fire service and the past president of the Delaware Volunteer Firemen's Association. And he's active in many public issues, uh, uh, public policy issues, and, uh, and, and is in Washington constantly. He was named 2007 Senior Fellow at George Washington University, a Homeland Security Policy Institute, and he spent his working career with state farm insurance companies where he, he, uh, he gained knowledge about fire investigations practices and relationships between public and private sector investigators. I also know that, that Steve is a is very good um, public speaker and, uh, and has held hearings that are attended by uh, the, con- uh, the congressmen and senators. Uh, he's, he formed one of the founding members of the Congressional Fire Service Institute, which we'll talk about in a few moments. We're also um, honored, as well as not only having Steve Austin, who is, uh, is the most honorable uh, thing for us, but Don Robinson. Uh, he is the special agent in charge of the National Center for Explosives Training and Research. That's called NCEDAR now. Uh, he's, he's supervised, and he's been that since uh, June 2013. 
He has 13 supervisors, 100 special agents, bomb technicians, chemists, canine trainers, and administrative staff that support ATF explosives uh, training and arson um, programs. Uh, He was in, in... He joined ATF in 1987. He was agent in charge of Philadelphia Field Division uh, and director of the U.S. Bomb Data Center and a group supervisor for Baltimore Field Division. Uh, He served 12 years as a certified explosive specialist and member of ATF's national response team. He's got a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and a master's in criminal justice, uh, the bachelor's from um, Westchester University and a master's from University of Alabama. So, we are very, very happy to have both of you here. So, can I, uh, first of all, let, let's first of all uh, thank uh, Steve Austin and then Don for being here so that they'll recognize your voice. Okay, Steve. Hey, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Donna, for having me. And it's, a, it's an honor and a pleasure to, to be on the program, and especially uh, with my uh, longtime uh, friend, uh, Don uh, Robinson, and, mm-hmm. and uh uh, to be on a program with um, with ATF is always great because that's one of the things that we do at the International Association of um, Arson Investigators. We collaborate and cooperate uh, for the purpose of um, getting a uh, uh, an investigation to determine the cause and origin of fires, and we can't do that without our good friends at the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. So it's great to be on a program. Um, with Don, we'll have an opportunity, I guess, to talk about some of those uh, areas of cooperation uh, here during the next hour. Right, and Don, uh, and and you, how's your relationship with I, IWI? Uh Good afternoon, Mike. Uh, Mike and Don, I appreciate you uh, inviting me on today. Uh, we've got a great relationship with IWI, um, and uh, fortunately, in the past few years, four years or so, we've been able to to really strengthen them again. You know, a lot of things. Um, you know, like a lot of agencies have uh, budget issues, and things sometimes fall through the cracks. But uh, been really happy, lucky for me to be here at a time when we've been able to do uh, further develop some of those partnerships uh, with with IWAI and do a lot more things with them. And Mike, I really uh, you know appreciate you being on the soapbox. Also, uh, with that story, I, I came on with ATF in '87, uh, so I went through our two academy training courses. Uh, in uh, 88 and 89, so uh, the folks, uh, our folks that were involved in that investigation out there in Kansas City were coming to talk, to, to do the training for us uh, when I was going through our new agent training in, in uh, early 89, and, and we heard about that uh, investigation. I'm interesting to have followed it all these years. I'm in my 30th year, and it's still uh, still still going on, but uh, and like you said, that's why people are involved in this field, uh, is to uh, help people make things right, so... Appreciate yes. it. Appreciate being on here. Well, thank you, Don, for being here. Um, Steve, you, you've got an extensive fire service background, and and I know, and I know we're friends, and we we talk uh, both, uh, you know, at seminars and and in Washington, and when we go there. Um, tell us a story, will you, of, of one of your your, uh, and we're going to after that. Uh, I know Donna. Donna wanted to talk to Don about a story, but how? What's your? Uh, what's your? What's a story for us? Well, I, I want to tell a story of, of, that ties right into your your opening uh, uh, comments, Mike. Uh, uh, and uh, I hadn't prepared to talk about this, but um, uh, I did want to talk a little bit about the commitment um, that I witnessed firsthand back in. Um, 
1989, I guess it was, uh, about this Kansas City um, um, arson fire that took the lives of those uh, uh, six firefighters. Uh, obviously, um, one firefighter death is uh, traumatize a community and a, and a fire department and a whole community, but six uh, at one time was, was just um, uh, unfathomable. And I recall that despite the best efforts of um, state and local folks uh, and others that had worked on this case, the case was basically going nowhere. And I remember having a meeting with then newly appointed um, ATF Director John McGall, who um, uh, John McGall is uh, a treasure in American law enforcement um, in this country. He's retired now, but uh, is um, uh, everything that John McCall has ever been involved in, whether it be at the, his time at the Secret Service, uh, his time at the um, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, and uh, uh, his uh, last uh, federal assignment, that uh, being uh, at the TSA, uh, prior to his retirement, uh, has been uh, exemplary. And I remember meeting with Director uh, Mungall, um, uh very shortly, I guess after his appointment, when he came over from the Secret Service, as I recall. I think he was on the presidential, uh, uh, he was in charge of pr- uh, presidential protection under uh, the uh, uh, George H.W. Uh, Bush administration. He was later uh, came over to ATF, and I remember sitting down with him and saying that, uh, uh, and, and hearing from him, uh, hearing him say that um, he was going to devote all of his personal resources and all of the resources of the ATF to solve the case of the um, murder, the arson murder of those six uh, firefighters. Um, and he was successful in seeing them being brought to um, um, justice. Um, talking to a federal official and and sitting there uh, in his office with, with um, the perseverance uh, that he had and what he had to say, there was no doubt in my mind that that case was going to be adjudicated fairly, honestly, and on behalf of those uh, uh, families of those fallen firefighters. And, uh, of course, we heard some of that today. Uh, and um, had it not been for Director McGall, I don't think um, any of those uh, folks would ever have been arrested. He, he dispatched the resources of, of uh, the ATF uh, and uh, their investigators and scientists uh, and was able to uh, bring the case to a conclusion. And it isn't it something that's how we learn. I mean, and, and that's something I wanted to talk to you about, Don, was having stated you've been with ATF for 30 years. I know that there's some cases like this that have caused training. What are some of the cases you've seen? Well, you know, I, I think um, one of the things that always sticks out with me because uh, in, in the different assignments that I've had, um, you know, I started out with ATF, and my first uh, ten years were were doing all all firearms and and uh, and gang related work, and then I got into the into the A and E side of things, the arson explosive side of things in ATF, and 
and worked in an arson group and, and got on the national response team. And, and one of the things that sticks with me the most about the, uh, the fire and arson work is, uh, you know, when we talk about that team concept, um, uh, that, and Steve referred to a little bit, is, is, is being on a number of those national response team call-outs to, to really large fire scenes um, where we worked with our state and local partners um, that team concept really, um, I think it sometimes is, is uh, you know, a little underappreciated. Um, I think it's not always believed that it, that it happens like that. But um, to me, and ATF and, and working with our partners out there, the, the NRT and our, and our work on the fire side really kind of exemplified that team concept that nobody's, you know, there's not a, a uh, there aren't the feds coming in to, to scoop up something that we all, kind of plop down there in place and work the scene. Um, you know, I've been on a number of, of uh, really large scene fires, warehouses, uh, explosions. Um, you know, uh, I guess back in the 90s, were, there were quite a few um, uh, incidents involving, uh, you know, uh, 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 mills where uh, animal liberation folks and were involved in some of those fires back then. And, and just the whole... The whole team concept really was drilled into me even more at that point because, you know, it was appreciated. Everybody, there was extra help there to work the scenes, whether it was our field office who was, uh, you know, needed the assistance of the state and locals. But everybody worked together as a team. Everybody shared the information. Um, and then things that came out of those scenes, out of those uh, incidents, always feed back to the training. And that's, you know, I, I see a lot of that now being here at, at NCDER, um where, we take those lessons learned from from these incidents and and try and, and uh, you know try and integrate that into the training that we're doing. And and the churches. I remember back in the early nineties when sure. you were looking at the churches and you caught the serial arsonists down there in Florida. Yeah. Yep. There's in in the you know it's uh, it seems to run in cycles I guess but uh, you know there was a, a a lot of attention a lot of. Uh, uh, resources aimed at the uh, at the church fire uh, number of church fires um, and serial arsonists. That's really what we try and you know target is those you know uh, the, the large scene, the commercially commercial uh, fires, the, uh, the the serial type jobs, um, and, uh, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of satisfaction to uh, you know bring into to folks. Um, you know, it's not just those big jobs. Um, I know Steve and uh, and Mike are familiar with uh, one of our agents uh, from Oklahoma that um, was uh, arson investigator of the year a couple of years ago uh, mm-hmm. with IWAI. <laughs> and um, you know, he worked with his uh, state local counterpart on a on a residential fire, but uh, you know, it was a fire that was covered up that was that was done to cover up a, a murder of a of a woman and and, and their children. Um, so that, you know that's not going to make it into federal court, but um, you know, kind of the the satisfaction of, of helping to see that uh, you know justice is brought, what, no matter where it winds up, and no matter what jurisdiction it is, these people need to be uh, need to be uh, brought to justice. You know, right? And and uh, in in the firefighters' case, uh, your your now retired agent David True was was sure. very instrumental in in breaking that, and uh, also. 
Uh, we've had another two firefighters killed here uh, a, a year and a half ago, roughly, uh, down on Independence Avenue, which the NRT, the National Response Team, came in from right. ATF, and that was, uh, and and the perpetrator was arrested in that one. Uh, so, Steve, and, and you were talking about, we were talking about um, the church fires a moment ago brought up by Donna. Well, uh, I know you're familiar with it, but the ATF, I mean, the uh, IWAI had a whole church um, fire program going on at that time. Do you remember that? I certainly do, Mike. And, um, and uh, those church, those, the, the church fire issue um, um, uh, really um, was one um, uh, of a lot of sadness. Uh, you know, in a, in a, in a country uh, such as ours here in the United States where freedom of religion is so, so important to, to us to have our places of worship, um, uh, come under attack for various reasons. Uh, you know, everything from uh, everything from uh, uh, vandalism uh, to theft uh, to uh, uh, racial prejudice to you name it. Uh, 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 these perpetrators were um, um, for a period of time uh, across our country um, uh, setting fires and, and, and bombing uh, our places of worship. So one of the uh one of the of the uh, uh uh actions that the International Association of Arson Investigators uh, took was to try to see if we could um uh, have church leaders, clergy and and, and lay leaders uh, take some measures to prevent some of these uh, incidents. Now you you think that's uh, that 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 you couldn't that you could you can't really control when someone is going to do something as heinous as, as setting your, your your church on fire. But actually, we were able to get some strategies out there that, that worked. Um, some of those strategies uh, were to encourage better uh, lighting uh, uh, in, in church properties, to have church members uh, make sure that the uh, that, that doors uh, were locked and uh, and that windows were uh, were shut, and that if the uh, house of worship was in the country, uh, that people would uh, drive by and uh, uh, and from time to time and check on the property, uh, look to see if there was a suspicious vehicles in the parking lot, and. Uh, the uh, International Association of Arson Investigators actually developed a kit um, that that um, that we sent out um, with help of many uh, um, kindred organizations in the uh, in the religious community to protect churches, synagogues, mosques, and any other place of worship uh, from um, this type of um, of, uh, of of vandalism, arson, and uh, and crime. I particularly remember being up on North Broad Street in um, in Philadelphia um, on a, um, uh, a morning television show with uh, then Congressman uh, Kurt Weldon, um, uh, who was the uh, chairman of the Congressional Fire Services Caucus at the time. Congressman Weldon and I, uh, and Congressman Weldon uh, was a former uh, fire chief in um, in Marcus Hook, Pennsylvania, in southeast Pennsylvania, uh, and uh, had been a, uh, um, a, a fire instructor uh, uh, for many, many years. We actually went uh, on television uh, with a pastor of uh, this relatively large church uh, in, uh, in, in um, North Philadelphia, and uh, kind of 
walked through the church and around the property and looked at some of the measures that church had taken to protect the, the their property uh, from uh, from vandals and arsonists. And uh, it was a, a great opportunity uh, to talk about the um, um, prevention measures that folks that could take in the religious community, and also uh, it was great for the IWAI to be uh, to be featured on a, on a morning television show in a large metropolitan area of our of our country. I'm sure that uh, others uh, saw that program and uh, may, uh, hopefully took uh, steps to protect protect their property. Um, right, and you, you know, I think I still have that PowerPoint presentation that we were giving to uh, the chapters about. Uh, um, you know the uh, the church fires, um, and um, and so uh, well, anyway. But uh, you you are you've been instrumental in in uh, getting the word out about the IWAI, Steve. Um, but you also, and we only have a couple minutes for a break. Uh, um, you also have started the, this uh, Congressional Fire Service Institute, and why did you start that? Or you were one of them anyway. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm certainly not going to take uh, uh, credit here for for being the the, the uh, founder of the Congressional Fire Services uh, Institute. But that was the Congressman Kurt Weldon and and a, his colleagues that actually put that together. But for folks, especially our international listeners that may not uh, be fully uh, informed about. Uh, what a policy institute is in Washington D.C. It's a it's a nonprofit group of folks um, who advance policy uh, to the to the United States government and educate uh, lawmakers and uh, and officials um, uh, in the in the government about issues uh, surrounding a particular topic. And in this case, the Congressional Fire Services Institute, obviously by its name, educates folks about um, the importance of uh, the fire service in the United States of America, and uh, the, um, the the institute supports the very very good work of the Congressional Fire Services Caucus, which is the largest caucus on Capitol Hill, made up um, of around 200 members of the uh, United States House of Representatives and the United States Senate. And, uh, oh, I guess it was uh, in around 80, 87, 88, uh, along in there, 89 is when the caucus was, uh, and the institute were established. And to this day, uh, they are the, the, the folks that um, um, uh, make sure that the fire services are uh, heard uh, throughout our nation uh, and located uh, primarily in uh, Washington, D.C., where um, our opinion leaders and lawmakers, of course, are. Yeah, go ahead. That's uh, no, you go ahead. Okay, I was going to say. I'm reading. He's reading. I, I was, I was, I was listening to you, and so yeah, and I know that they do, and I know that you, we all go there uh, for the CFSI dinner, and we and we talk to the congressmen and the senators and try to get them to support the Fire Act and how important that is. Um, I think well. We'll do, and I think we'll take a break here in a moment, but uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to Don about Inseeder, about the, the the center that he runs, and some of the training and, and how distinctive it is uh, with uh, to help all of us in the training. And so, please come back to Speaking of Fire.
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Fire Consulting International provides consulting and expert fire origin and cause investigations. Our experienced, certified fire investigators have specialized skills to meet litigation requirements. We also provide peer review of reports for other investigative firms to assure they meet NFPA guidelines and ASTM standards. Educational classes and CEU classes are also provided. For professional investigations, contact Fire Consulting International at fcifire.com or call 913-262-5200. Fireanalysis.net offers cutting-edge, comprehensive programs unique to the insurance industry. Our vendor vetting assures regulatory compliance with the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, NFPA guidelines, and ASTM standards. We ensure that investigators' reports are in compliance with those standards. We also offer comprehensive programs to assure compliance with your company guidelines. Please contact fireanalysis.net. That's fireanalysis.net. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. To call in to today's show, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to connect at speakingoffire.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Speaking of Fire. Uh, Don, I understand that you recently opened the Advanced Fire and Arson Training Center at NCEDAR. Talk to us about that. Yeah, we sure did. Um, uh, I've been here at NCEDAR. NCEDAR itself opened up in, in 2010. And in, in uh, 2013, we kind of have a, an internal reorganization, which allowed us to bring back, uh, we would like to say, bring, bring back the A with the A, the arson with the explosives. Um, so NCEDAR serves as the hub for everything ATF does uh, in the arson and explosives field and our, uh, as far as our training and enforcement programs go. Um, and this past summer, we completed construction on the, uh, a burn cell complex to support our advanced fire and arson investigation center, training center down here. So um, we have uh, uh, five burn cells and uh, a, a dual flashover cell that we use, uh, supports our training down here. The, the, uh, the burn cells are, are, are kind of unique. We've we've always used uh, you know the burn cells either at our academy in Glencoe, Georgia, or up at the National Fire Academy. And anyone that's been to either of those places knows um, uh, those burn cells are, are very useful. But they're one room structures. Um, and what we've been able to do down here is build really large burn cells with uh, with multiple compartments, multiple rooms. Um, three of them are, are single story and. Uh, you know, we can we can build out uh, two bedrooms, a bathroom, a kitchen area, um, and then two oh, of wow. these are also uh, two-story with uh, uh, flooring systems for the second floor that we can reconfigure to move the stairwell around in there. So, um, you know, we can get what 
what's nice is, uh, you know, you're teaching them about the uh, origin and cause of a fire, but you're, now we're also able to work in, in a practical exercise, is the progression of fire through, you know, multiple compartments in a, in a structure. So uh, we're really, really proud of, uh, of that facility, and, and that supports our uh, advanced origin and cause and courtroom techniques courses, as well as the arson for prosecutors classes that we do down here. Yeah, I think I think that's really valuable because uh, fire progression, you know, um, and smoke uh, progression throughout a structure um, helps the fire investigator to uh, determine where the area of origin is. But also, um, a particular, I, I like what you just said about the arson for prosecutors. A lot of prosecutors uh, don't do not understand uh, that these cases are are. Um, makeable cases, that the fire actually doesn't destroy all evidence, it actually burns itself into the scene. And I think, Don, your 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 contribution to NCDER is going to be invaluable to them. What what kind of feedback are you getting from, from the prosecutors? Well we just we just delivered the first couple uh, couple of the advanced origin and cause classes down here. Uh, actually we finished literally finished construction on the last day of July and then August 1st or 2nd the uh the first class came in we were really uh uh really proud of the folks down here we 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 uh, uh they all dug in uh we you know we had funding contractors that were able to build the structures but uh when it came to actually building out the cells uh you know as far as as uh, uh studying out the the rooms and the drywall and you know putting in uh the uh, power and, and furniture and stuff. Uh, these the the staff down here did it and uh, really came through. But the, um, what we do with that advanced origin of cause uh, class is we combine that. The second week of that class, we bring in uh, an arson for prosecutors class, um, and so they're overlapping and they they work train together and work together in that second week. Um, I think anybody that that's in the field realizes that more times, many more times than not. Uh, a fire investigation and a prosecution is going to be based primarily on circumstantial evidence. It's you know unless you're lucky enough to have a video with a great full face shot of uh, of your subject going in and coming out. Um, it's going to be built on on the circumstances, which the evidence is just as strong, but it's it's a tougher case and it's and it has been tough to uh, I guess uh, convince. Uh, prosecutors at times to take the case because it's so highly circumstantial. Um, in the eyes of the court, circumstantial and direct evidence are the same, but, you know, um, it's, it's harder to convince humans of that, I think. But uh, so right. those, you know, we work to bring those, to bring other prosecutors, whether they're U.S. Uh, US attorneys or uh, state and local prosecutors that have done uh, work in that field and, and done cases, presented those cases successfully, bring them in as instructor staff, and then we invite other attorneys to uh, to come to the course, other prosecutors to come to the course, and then they get to interact with the investigators. They're seeing things at the scene in their practical exercises, and uh, it's a good model, and uh, we're really, really uh, happy about it, and uh, we've got uh, two more scheduled uh, this fiscal year that we're working to, uh, working to fill. Hmm. Wow, wow. Our listeners may not be aware that uh, ATF does a a good amount of testing and a lot of the the data that they're seeing and what they learn in their classes through the IAAI is coming from testing at ATF. I'm kind of interested with this... uh, two burn cell, the two-story structures, have have any of you that have been there all these years, did you see a difference in the testing? Did you, you go, wow? Well, 
<laughs> we're just we're just starting to get into that. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, obviously, uh, you're you're both familiar with the uh, uh, Fire Research Lab up in mm-hmm. Amondale, so we've got a great partnership with them. And the FRL, for for our purposes, it supports the casework that's going on out in the field. Um, so uh, whether it's a, an ATF case or a state and local case. Um, they can bring the circumstances uh, of that of that incident. They, we can rebuild up to a two-story structure inside that that uh, the burn structure at the FRL and recreate the uh, the the instance the the the, uh, the fire. So we can you know prove or disprove a defendant's testimony by by recreating the circumstances of the fire. Um, so that FRL supports the casework and then. What we do here is the training on the training side. So um, we have we're, we're kind of excited to get those things get those things going and, and do that testing with with the uh, with the two story structures. Um, and it's uh, there's a lot of possibilities, <laughs> a lot of possibilities for the future here. Um, uh, the, the folks that are on staff here, um, whether it's the arson folks or the explosives, I'm really uh, kind of uh, uh, lucky in that we get to pick. <laughs> kind of the the uh, best and brightest in the field and the folks with the most experience. So the instructor staff, the program managers, the project officers that are down here uh, working as instructors and running the programs really have a wealth of experience behind them, and, and they share that with uh, with our counterparts. I'm going to volunteer my services. I know very well how to strike a match. There you so, go. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you said the best and brightest. That, well, that explains why they didn't hire me when I was when I put in for the ATF. <laughs> When I was a police detective. Oh, that's all right. Actually, that, that explains, explains why I just they're the office best and take credit for yeah. their work. <laughs> Actually, what? I'm sorry. I'm that mistaken. explains why I'm up here in the office and take okay, credit for well, their work. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you. I was I was lucky enough to teach an IAAI expert witness testimony course in Incedar um, mm-hmm. a couple months ago, and I want to tell you that it is a wonderful facility. It's very, very, very good, and and uh, I urge any of the people in fire and law enforcement to try to get. Uh, their prosecutors to go there, and also if you can get to go to the classes, any of the classes do do so. Um, it's supported by the federal government, which brings us back to Steve, and and if our um, you you have uh, your CFSI is a bipartisan um, uh, committee, uh, both uh, Republicans and Democrats, and uh, and independents too. Um, yes, and, absolutely, uh, Michael. And and so they uh, how the, the federal government on on. How supportive are they of the fire service? And also, uh, I want to ask you also uh, about the new administration, what you believe is going to happen from here. But first of all, uh, uh, historically, how, how well has Congress supported the fire service? Well, Congress, Congress, um, you know, like like everything else, Congress reacts uh, uh, oftentimes uh, to what's happening in in the world and what's happening in the country, and um, so sometimes uh, issues involving fire are on the front burner, and uh, no pun intended there. And sometimes <laughs> they're not. If there's something uh, that's uh, going on that's more interesting to Congress or or something they feel more pressing uh, to the, to the nation, uh, they may. Uh, not not uh, put fire up as uh, high on their uh, list of priorities as maybe those of us in the fire service would like like to see. And um, I think it, for our listeners, it's it's important to to really uh, understand that fire in the United States uh, is really. Um, 
uh, traditionally it has been a state and local issue. We don't have a national fire service in the in the United States like many countries do. So that means there there's uh, many many fire uh, departments in this country. There's over um, um, uh, about thirty thousand of them. Matter of fact, um, in the in the in the country, and um, Congress uh, takes a look at. Uh, uh, at those issues uh, of a national rather than a st- than state or local. Now, we in the IAAI, the International Association of Arts Investigators, have been very, very cognizant of those um, um, of those issues that have true national consequences. And you heard Don mention in the first segment a little bit, you know, about um, about about budgetary issues. That you know, a lot of this is based on 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 a budget. So. Our job at the, from the government affairs standpoint at the IWAI is to make sure that Congress um, understands the need to have a, a national focus on many of the fire problems that are, frankly, much too large for any individual fire department um, or even state to take care of. And that national focus is, the, is where we have been... Uh, 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 spending our time in, in Washington uh, over the years. Now, each administration, um, you know, views uh, through the eyes of the uh, of the president and the Office of Management and Budget um, different priorities. And at, and uh, when the federal budget comes uh, out, uh, uh, the president releases that budget. I think it's around April first of the year. Um, that may be favorable towards um, the national fire programs, which include the United States Fire Administration, the uh, National uh, Fire Academy, and then any, any other fire legislation uh, that's uh, any other fire uh, uh, programs that are out there that require appropriations and legislation to keep them going. For instance, um, um, the uh, uh, for wildland fire uh, firefighting, and uh, also uh, monies that would go to the ATF for uh, particular fire-related, we weigh in on all those things, and we um, and we do that in the way that Mike just mentioned a little while ago in a very very nonpartisan uh, 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 manner because fire is certainly is not a political issue. Fire, uh, fire, and fire prevention and fire suppression and fire investigation are issues um, that uh, transcend any any one political. Uh, party. So, from that standpoint, it's it's a little easier for us to get um, um, the fire focus on the on the member of Congress. Every member of Congress has uh, at least one, and many many fire departments in their congressional uh, district. And so, uh, each member is always interested in making sure that his or her fire department is uh, well-equipped, well-trained, and that the, if there is a particular fire problem, such as uh, arson in their particular jurisdiction or their, their congressional district, uh, they want to see that suppressed. And um, that's where uh, we can make a real good um, case for funding those things that help ATF get trained 
their folks and state and local people get trained with the cooperation and collaboration of ATF in the various um, academies that are around the country, specifically the National Fire Academy and down at Glencoe, the National Training Center for ATF, and of course over at NCEDARS where Don uh, is now. So uh, we're, we're probably better, better equipped in the fire service to... Um, lobby on these than a lot of other folks because the really folks like firefighters. They like their local fire department in most cases, and also they want to keep their communities fire safe. It's kind of interesting, um, and I'm out here in the middle of a wheat field with sunflowers around me <laughs> in Kansas, but I know events like 9-11 uh, that altered basically altered in a sense. They brought awareness to what the fire service already does. Um, I know a lot of the local departments, when they said, how are you going to change your policies, said, we don't have to change. We're doing the job we've always done. You're just now aware of what we're doing. Yeah, that massive loss of life uh, for firefighters and police uh, during that uh, 2-9-11 was terrible. Um, and, the, as, and Steve, what do, you, what do you anticipate from the new administration? Well, um, it's a little too early to tell because, number one, we haven't seen uh, the appointments down in the, at the Department of Homeland Security uh, where the, uh, the new, the, the new uh, uh, Federal Emergency Management uh, uh, Agency Director uh, is and the United States Fire Administration is. And so two key positions there haven't been yet appointed uh, from, from, a, from a perspective of the administration. The other uh, perspective is we haven't seen a budget yet from um, the Trump administration. We'll see that um, uh, within another month or so, and that'll give us some indication as to where uh, federal fire programs are going to um, uh, uh, going to be. One of the keys for the fire service is the um, Assistance to Firefighter Grant Program, which was established in around 2000, 1999 and 2000. And that is a direct um, uh, funding program on a competitive basis to the fire service of the, of the United States. And um, while that, uh, that program is, is, uh, is authorized uh, currently up to about uh, $2 billion, uh, it, it is never appropriated uh, to, close to that amount for this, this year. It's appropriated uh, somewhere around uh, uh, $600 million for the, the, the total uh, program. And it's very, that program allows fire departments on a competitive basis, actually bidding against one another, if you would, uh, based on the strength of their applications and their need in their communities to either get equipment training or actually help uh, uh, help uh, to fund uh, career firefighters and, and also to have recruitment retention of volunteer firefighters. That program will be very, very important just to, for the, is very, very important to fire service. It'll be very, very important to see whether or not that, that program is going to be recommended to be refunded again by the new administration. Uh, we're certainly uh, focused on making that happen. I say we, that's the, the all the fire service groups that uh, uh, are represented in Washington, D.C., the National Fire Service groups, the IAAI is one of those, uh, one of those groups. There's about 10 of us there uh, total. And, and and uh, we're focused, as they say, like a laser beam 
on making sure that, that those programs stay uh, um, and also are funded uh, to an uh, appropriate level. And, of course, we're right behind you. And, Don, that actually, I was thinking ATF trains local fire and police yeah. departments. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, and uh, and everything Steve just said is, is very very accurate. And, and But also, um, even in a time when there is not a budget, we're, we're kind of on that continuing resolution uh, thing right now. But uh, all of the, a lot of these programs continue on under that CR. So uh, in the partnerships the, with some of these uh, agencies that, that Steve just mentioned, FEMA and uh, the, the uh, National Fire Academy, um, we, we, those are continuing. So ATF has staff, permanent staff, up at the National Fire Academy. Uh, uh, we have a uh, special agent program manager, CFI, and a, uh, a training specialist up there who, um, who are basically organized uh, with FEMA uh, but deliver the you know 13 courses a year, two week courses, uh, the R206, but the uh, art, the basic origin and cause uh, courses that go on there. Um, so that that continues on. Um, the the partnership that we have with IWA is really uh, very important. Um, you know, uh, Mike, you mentioned the expert witness course, but um, you know we're also uh, we're partner with IWA on the uh, uh, was it fire scene investigation for the insurance industry. Yep. Um, so we do a lot of things with them. We we provide support um, for the uh, CFITrainer.net that the online training uh, capability uh, that IWA has. Um, so th- these things continue on. Um, we have uh, our, our CFI cadre is, is uh, approaching about 100 right now, um, and uh, you know that's a, a for our folks it's a two-year two-year program, really intensive program, um, uh, where they've got to get uh, a lot of training in. They they go to uh, the basic origin and cause at NFA, like all the other fire investigators across the country. Uh, they also get the courses on electrical fires, enclosure fires, that advanced origin and cause. Uh, class that uh, that I spoke about. They've also got to do four graduate level courses on on fire science and forensics. Uh, they work with a mentor, uh, senior CFI throughout that whole program, uh, and they also sit for the IAAI CFI exam uh, at the at the end of their two year uh, two year training program certification program. There's a, a large research project that they got to that they have to complete in the in that two years as well as. You know, doing 100 fire scenes and 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 writing up 80, I think 80 reports, uh, origin and cause reports in that in that same period. So, and all that training kind of feeds back out to uh, you know the, inf- the you know informal stuff that uh, a fire investigator or CFI in the field working with his state and local counterpart they do training together out in the field or the more formalized courses whether they're here at NCDER. Uh, or sponsored by NCDA, or up at the National Fire Academy. So the, that continues on, and, and uh, that's you know one of the great, I think one of the really great things about this uh, partnership with IAAI is 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 we're both interested in getting that information out to the folks that need it. Uh, right, so it's a great partnership that way. It is, and it's fantastic. As a matter of fact, I know you and I have discussed about, um, which actually I presented it to McGraw when he was in, but he didn't have the budget for it. But uh, um, we were talking about uh, putting out IAAI CIs and your ATF agents to teach on the uh, 16 things that uh, NFPA 1033 uh, requires, and maybe that's that'll come in the future. Right. Uh, I know that I know that you guys are 
uh, well, you, you're instrumental because you have to, uh, I mean, you even train the insurance industry, in other words, uh, because what happens is your guys uh, have to retire at a certain age, and then you become private <laughs> investigators, which is, which is happy for me. And, well, you know, uh, that, that, uh, that relationship is important out in the field, too, um, whether they're working for ATF or a state. I mean, that, that, that working relationship with the insurance industry is important, so... Uh, that's a joint training that we do with uh, with IAAI for the insurance investigators. So uh, it's it's all important. Everybody, get everybody on the same page. And I have one one word for all all fire, police, uh, federal agents uh, coming out into the private world to study up on, and that word is subrogation. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> that is accurate. <laughs> yes, and and there's a, an entirely different world in report writing. Yes, isn't that right, Steve? Because at, <laughs> absolutely, and Steve, absolutely, yeah, that's totally different in, in, when you're writing for the insurance industry or for for civil process. Le- one last thing, and Steve, I've got to ask you, and um, we only got a couple minutes till we have to end the show. But uh, what do you think? One minute, so oh, good. Okay, <laughs> one minute. Where do you think we're going? What's the future look like, Steve? Well, I think, you know, looking back over the, the, the 50-some years I've had in the fire service, and I know they put some age on me here, but I remember when there was really no uh, ATF uh, focus on fire whatsoever, and uh, certainly remember when there was no National Fire Academy and, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and no place uh, nationally where folks could 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 uh, could get this training, and uh, I'm I'm very upbeat and very positive that the cooperation that we see, um, and fostered uh, by great leadership uh, at the ATF and and other federal agencies also, uh, uh, and 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 precipitated by the work of the IWAI, I think we're going to see a more uh, professional, a, a more t- uh, more technology used in fire investigations, with the whole idea of finding the truth and. Uh, uh, finding what caused that fire and um, and where did that fire start and who were the folks that um, that if, if folks were involved who were the people that uh, that actually uh, uh, caused the fire so um, it's all good Mike and uh, I think you. You, you could support that by just looking back over the last several years of of uh, improvements in the professionalism of fire investigation in this country. You're right and um, and we are out of our uh, code of ethics for. The international is. I'm a true seeker, not a case maker. Stay and, on the line and stay on the line with us when we when we sign off here, guys. Sure. But um, first of all, I want to thank you both for being here. Don, keep up the good work down in in Cedar, and and hopefully I'll see you, Steve, in Washington, um, and or if not at the international uh, tra- training conference next um, next week, we're going to have an international show, and and that's going to be. Um, uh, with uh, people from the UK and Israel and and uh, and Mexico and the Latin American countries and our CFI uh, training uh, chairman about the international uh, certified fire investigator course. Please come back. And we have a good week, and we'll see you next week. Stay Thank safe. You. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning into Speaking of Fire. Please join your hosts, Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram, for another edition of our program next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember to be careful this week and every week.